Well, hello there, and welcome to episode 46 of the Rock Podcast. For those about to pod, we salute you. In this episode, we discuss the letter C in the A to Z of rock. There's also rock news, new rock on the block, where we discuss recent releases. There's, of course, Hidden Gem Time and Unsung Heroes. So without further ado, here's everyone's hero. Here's Brian. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, buddy. You're welcome. I think I might have done that intro before, but anyway, whatever. It was a good one, all the same. Hope you enjoyed that. How you doing? I'm doing okay, thank you. And you? I'm doing good. It's uh, It's been a few weeks since we've spoken, and it's been your birthday, young man. So happy birthday. Yes, indeed. Thank you. Thank you very much. Did you get anything nice? I got I got some amazing presents and, and gifts and cards and texts and best wishes. That's very kind of you. Everyone, thank you. Those who took the time to send best wishes and those who bought me a present, including you, Brian. I did. An amazing piece of vinyl celebrating the Number of the Beast album. Um, and your birthday you. was on Record Store Day as well. That's true. I didn't I didn't go to Record Store Day. No, you were in the pub. <laughs> That's true. I but I went on behalf of us. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I've, I've always, I've, I've tried Record Store Day once or twice, but when I've got there... There's there's never been anything I want left, and and it, when I have been earlier in the day, the queue has been down the street. So it's sort of, so I've gone to the pub instead, probably. Um, did you did you buy anything? I bought the Rainbow Rising album. Oh, did you? You bought that? Yeah. Oh, is that is that is that some sort of reissue? Yeah, it, it was it, for me. Record Store Day. I know that there's um, artists and bands put out exclusive things for record store day but i always like to just go into a record store what i nearly bought matt which was more yes. down my street was i nearly bought prisoners in paradise europe collection oh, really? edition picture disc for 30 well, quid <laughs> that's all right yeah and and i in the little shop a little shop in dunbar um i may go back and pick it up at some point. But I nearly bought that, but I bought Rainbow Rising instead. Good choice. Great album. Exactly. And of course, we'll cover that in the R's. Well, I'm sure we will. A to Z of rock. Along with Mr. Oh, I was going to say, see, I get this. I get this wrong. I with, was going to say. Mitch, Mr. Richie. Yeah. Well, I was going to go, Mr. Ronnie. <laughs> oh. But we'll no. probably cover Mr. Dio in the D's. That's Coming true. up soon. And no prizes for guessing what will be covering the D's as well. But more of that next time. Exactly. Um, so, what has caught your eye, Bri, in the news? Well, Aerosmith have just announced their farewell US tour. So uh, for our US listeners, you're in for a surprise and a bit of a brilliant package because Aerosmith are going out, sadly, without Joey Kramer. Joey's not making the tour. He's not... Uh, He's still a member of the band, but not touring. And the mm-hmm. Black Crows will be their special guests. So that'll be a fantastic package. Um, kicking off in September and finishing up in January next year. Hopefully, we might get some European shows. So yeah. 
whenever we're Fingers talking crossed. next, whenever we're talking about who's going to headline Donington in 2024, probably Aerosmith will be on the list. Yeah. So that's the first thing that's come up in the that's, news. No, that's, that's, I look forward to that. Um, and knowing um, the band, as we sort of do, they, this is probably it, isn't it? Yeah. Because they are, they are as, well, obviously demonstrated by Joey Kramer, um doing that thing which is quite seems to be quite a regular thing nowadays we talked about it with paul quinn last time although i don't think brian tatler is going to replace joey kramer playing drums in um in uh aerosmith but um yeah well i mean as you said if you get a chance to go and see aerosmith they put in a hell of a show um and fantastic songs of course hit after hit so um yeah looks good yeah um in other news eddie van halen's famous guitar at least one of them that was used in the um in the hot for teacher video back in uh, 1984 um has recently sold at auction now i know you like guitars bro you've got one or two you know you, you you can play the guitar you're not very good but you can play um <laughs> as we've established many times maybe by maybe by episode episode 100 matt i might might be a little bit better <laughs> Uh, no, I joke. Brian's, Brian's a very, very, very accomplished musician. Has an A minor chord coming on, by the way. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, good. Anyway, so Eddie Van Halen's custom-made Kramer electric guitar, uh, as I said, it was played in the Hot for Teacher video. I mean, I just can't believe these numbers. It's sold for just shy of four million dollars. Um. I mean, it's just, and it is an iconic guitar, of course. I yeah. think you'd like it in your in your collection, wouldn't you? I have never had a Kramer guitar, but yes, I would. Eddie's mm. nestling beside uh, Eddie's guitar, nestling beside a Muslim would be very nice indeed. I think if you paid four million dollars for it, you'd probably keep it in a like a, a, a secure vault somewhere. <sighs> yes, just, just get it out in, on special occasions. Four million dollars for a guitar. Yeah. Staggering, isn't it? It is. What do you think and, about and it? it's not. Is it something like only the world's third or fourth most expensive guitar in auction? Because Kurt Cobain's acoustic is still, it's still the number one because it sold for about six million. It's frightening, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, we talked about it. I don't think you and I even, you know, looking down the side of the sofa would have conjured up (laughs) that amount of money. Could have bought, it could have bought maybe a, you know, I don't know, a string or something yeah. from it, possibly. We'd have really sold every single item we own. <laughs> anyway, I mean, yeah, obviously the great man, um, you know, left a fantastic legacy. You know, every time there's a little bit of news about Van Halen, you go, wow, what a guitarist he was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Um, in other news, um, so I went to a couple of gigs Gotta just mention those. Yeah. Um, Who'd you go and our see? Friend, well, um, I went to see uh, an excellent double bill actually down in Brighton of um, a Canadian band called The Commoners. Well, well worth checking out. Um, nice guys too, actually. Uh, they, they, it was one of those double headlining tours, um, and um, they're one of those bands that I think you'll hear more of in future. The Commoners. Um, first album. Uh, so a more recent album called uh, Find a Better Way is is, at, well, is out. It's been out for a couple of months. Well worth checking out. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, needed to say I bought a copy of that when I was there and got the lads to sign it, which is great. Um, Are we giving and, that away uh, as a competition prize? No, no, I'm keeping that for myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe we'll have to start buying double of everything, man. You keep one for yourself uh, and then one as a competition. Oh, yeah, maybe maybe I should. That's a good, good shout, actually. Uh, and then the first album is called No Stranger from 2016. But um, well, worth, um, well worth checking out. A uh, really good band. And also on the bill was Troy Redfern, um, who, again, is uh, uh, an up-and-coming artist. Um, one of those artists, I think, that you, you may have seen at festivals. He's certainly going to be at the Made of Stone Festival that we're going to in the summer. Um, excellent. Plays, plays slide guitar um, and, you know, great songs. Very prolific. Yeah. This is his sixth album. Um, Wings of Salvation, which came out last year. I saw I saw him actually with the Choir Boys last year. Um, so you know, well worth checking out. If um, if you get to see Troy or indeed the Commoners, um, uh, try and make the effort to go and see them because they're as I say both up and coming, and they appreciate people going to see them. Um, and also, I went to a Planet Rock event. Uh, our friend Matt won us uh, entry to a meet and greet with with Jay and Scott from Rival Sons which is quite something, an acoustic set in the Planet Rock Studios, uh, five or six songs, got to meet the guys afterwards, lovely, lovely guys. I was a bit starstruck, of course, as you can imagine. Um, <laughs> but they were, they were lovely. They're very humble and very friendly and very uh, cordial and very accommodating. Um, but it was a, an amazingly intimate event. There must have been about 15 people in the room to watch them. So, um yeah, hats off to the rival sons for an amazing lunchtime set. I think uh, Jay Buchanan, the singer, was, was struggling because literally they just not long got. Off. I think he not long got up. Obviously, being on um, <laughs> a bit jet lagged, so that was good. We'll put some rival sons on the playlist as well as the Commoners and Troy Redfern, of course. Yeah, they've got uh, rival sons. Is it their new album's due out soon? It's Dark Fighter. That's right. Yeah, they played a couple of songs from that. Mm. Actually, it sounds uh, sounds great. And talking about great singers, because Jay is fantastic. And, and, oh, amazing. Yeah. Um, Steve Perry, who Ooh. is the um, amazing voice of Journey, or former voice of Journey, because he's, he's retired from live shows. Steve Perry has turned up as a guest vocalist for an Irish folk band called the High Kings, Matt. The High yeah. Kings have got, they've got a new single coming out and they're going out on a world tour and they've, uh, Steve Perry is guesting on a track called The Streets of Conceal. And it is, if you listen to it, it's Irish folk music. So um, the world tour, our colleagues and, uh, or our, uh, again, anybody in the US, watch out for Steve. He may end up guesting on stage because if you remember, the last time Steve was on stage, he uh, guested with the band The Eels. Uh, yeah, and the internet sort of broke down when they when Steve Perry is seen live on stage for the first time in what was it nineteen years or something, and it was like, That's right. yeah, he played with the Eels. So yes, yeah, Steve Perry, uh, yeah. is is He's... now playing Irish folk music. I think the moral of that story, boys and girls, if you're in a band. Uh, call Steve Perry. You might just <laughs> say, "Yeah, okay, I'll play on your album. I'll sing on your album." Exactly. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll come and jam with you when you play in, yeah. uh, you know, LA or San Francisco or wherever. Yeah. Well, um, he's he's going to be singing on Dolly Parton's album, allegedly. That's true. Yeah, they're going to they're going to duet on Open Arms. 
there's going to be some album because I read recently that Vince <laughs> Neil has been added to that uh, roster as well. Vince Neil from Motley Crue, um, which would be interesting. I'm not sure what Motley Crue song he and Dolly are going to sing. Uh, I, I, I hate to think. <laughs> Showed um, at the devil. Possibly. <laughs> I can't see them doing girls, girls, girls. No. Side side by side. No. But we digress. But yeah, looking forward to that album actually. It should be out soon. Yeah. But the only time in my life I can say without shadow of doubt that I've looked forward to a Dolly Parton album coming out. <laughs> um, <laughs> in related Irish rock news, uh, sad news um recently, Matt, that um Horselips guitarist Johnny Fain um died um Horselips are widely regarded as the creators of Celtic rock. Wasn't Thin Lizzy? It was. It was Horselips. Somebody who we mentioned on the show quite a lot, Pat McManus from Mama's Boys, has guested with uh, with Horselips many years. Um, and for those of us who watched the old Grey Whistle Test, how can you not remember Horselips with the uh, playing the track Derrick Doom? And the lead singer uh, with his electric mandolin and his silver glove. And it was all very myth- mythology and Irish Celtic rock. So sad news that, that Johnny's passed. And uh, I know that the band have lost a couple of members recently, but they still go out and play and uh, keep the music. And for those of you who may be just coming to Horse Lips, just because we've mentioned it on the show, fear not. There is a recent anthology box set which has just been released a 35 cd set matt amazing called more than you can chew which if i was buying a box set and it had 35 discs on it i don't think i'd but yeah that, that's a big you, anthology you shelf for that, don't you? <laughs> that entire that is an anthology that is an anthology and a half it's a tomb indeed exactly amazing 35 CDs. 35 CDs. More than my entire collection. Oh, you, Jet. You're just saying that for the car. You're saying that for the audio, Matt. You've got CDs uh, stashed away. I've got, I got 36, I think. <laughs> so, Matt. Yes. Our new feature. One of our new features. It's now settling into the show. I know. It's kind of bedded in now. It isn't is. It? It's like a Feels well. Good. Yeah. It's like a nicely fitting pair of Levi 501s. I was thinking a nicely fitted pair of slippers. But okay, <laughs> let's go with your more rock and roll. Yes, this is where we talk about new rock on the block, new releases, new albums, mm. new artists. So, yes. one of the hotly anticipated albums of 2023 mm-hmm. dropped. That's what the kids say, isn't it? The album they do, dropped. They do, yeah. sir. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They, they do. How are they doing, by the way, kids? The you kids, them, kids are okay. Kids, are, it's, it's, it's exam times. It is. Yeah. They're all busy revising, aren't they? Yeah. Kids are all right, though. The kids are good. Kids are good. So these mm. kids that we're going to talk about first on You Rock and the Block is the Metallica Kids. So they have just released 72 seasons, Matt, their 11th studio album. Wow. Um, it's a long album, again, 77 minutes. Um, mm. I've listened to it, and as you know, um, which is always good when you're doing a review of albums, always listen to it. Yes, um, they, it's, it's very interesting, Matt. I have to say, um, I list the first few listens to it. I have to say it reminded me quite a bit 
of Master of Puppets mixed with a little bit of the Black Album. And it got me thinking, it must be very hard for a band like Metallic with, with a signature sound as they have to come out and do something very, very different. They tried it with St. Anger and we all lost our mind because of the production and the drum sound. And I feel this album sits, it nestles nicely in between Master and Puppets and, and the Black Album. And it's, if you're looking for that retro Metallica 80s, there's hints of Nwobam in it, Matt. I'd be surprised you didn't like it because the, the riffs were just laden with riffs. Um, mm. And James Hetfield's vocal and lyrics was a real standout for me. Um, but production-wise, I would have loved Bob Rock to be producing this album. It just was, it wasn't, didn't have that depth for me. It just, it could have been a lot wider. But there's some fantastic uh, standout tracks on the album Sleepwalk My Life Away and You Must Burn Cool Rights with Robert Trujillo are fantastic and S- Screaming Suicide is just dare I say Diamond Head could have made that song Matt it's just lots of riffs mm. and Kirk Hammett who often gets a lot of bad press Kirk sounded great um, he's yeah. wearing his influences on his sleeve uh, is Wawa. He sounded like Michael Schenker and some of the tracks were uh, were early UFO. So for me, I think a solid seven and a half out of ten for Metallica for me, Matt. Good album. Very good. Not yeah. an album of the year. Bold statement, but okay. Yeah, uh, similar to you, I think it's a na- the natural kind of progression from um, last couple of albums, Death Magnetic and uh, Hardwired for Self-Destruct. Yeah, there are some great songs on it. I mean, the, the, the kind of lead-off songs, as you say, Screaming Suicide, Lux Turner, and If Darkness Had a Son stand out. But also the title track is amazing. Um, you know, really, really catchy riff. Great, great kind of album um, album intro, as it were. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's the sound of Metallica. It is. And it's and then it, and they as you said have tried to deviate and they have deviated over the years and they still will I'm sure they'll do a kind of you know more mellow acoustic songs a la the Unforgiven and nothing else matters and so on, um, but like Maiden and Judas Priest and and plenty of other bands in the sort of heavy metal bracket that they as you said they've got a signature sound they stick to it the fans love it this this album in the UK um, was number one in the album charts and it and its sales outsold the, the the other four in the top five collectively yeah so you know clearly you know still got huge appeal and you, yeah you get value for money as you say an hour and 17 minutes um you can't go wrong but yeah i am um, yeah it's not going to be my album of the year but um because i've already maybe got that either coming down the pipeline <laughs> or in my back pocket already but more to come on that oh, exactly um I, I enjoyed it yeah it's a good album and, and check it out boys and girls yeah and the last track uh, in a Maratta. Um, it's, 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 we're in progressive territory. It's 11 minutes long. When I was listening to that track, it had shades of Sabbath, Black Sabbath, and it was quite riffy, a slower pace to it. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I know there's a lot of people talking about how long the album is, but the, as a last track, in Maratta's, nice signature changes in it you know james is singing fantastic well 
but a real Sabbath feel to it. That that slower riffy, which was great. So there you go, Metallica, seventy two seasons. Do we have a potential contender for either of the other two albums that we're going to discuss, Matthew? And we'll go next to the answer and Sundowners. Yeah, so Sundowners from the answer, their first album since 2016's Solus album. Um, and it's in a way similar. It's, 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 they're kind of moving away from their sort of traditional early sound of, if you like, classic rock. And this is a bit more of kind of a thoughtful album. First song, Sundown is reminded me a bit of Robert Plant, actually, um, is kind of solo stuff. And it goes into more sort of traditional songs, uh, Blood Brother and Oh Cherry and um, Want You to Want Me, Want You to Love Me. My favorite song on the album is Living on the Line. Um, but yeah, it's, it's well worth a listen. Um, and they're from your part of the world, of course, the art answer from Northern Ireland. They are indeed. Do you know them? <laughs> Not, not personally. <laughs> they don't live around the street. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, from uh, Newton Arts and Newcastle in County Down. Okay. Uh, so I enjoyed it. It's a good album, and it's uh, it's it's a worthy comeback album. They've stuck to their sort of um, they stuck to their roots, as it were. But they've also they've got quite a contemporary sound. The, the guitar, and again, going back to your your uh, ability as a guitar player, you would recognize that kind of the way the, the, you know, the amplification they've used and the, and the, and the guitar style is quite uh, contemporary. Remind me a little bit of the rival sons, a little bit of Royal, Royal blood stylistically, but um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And I, I, I played it a few times and I'll carry on playing it. Um, and we'll see them a few times in the summer. They play at a few festivals in the UK and probably elsewhere. So if you get the chance to see the answer, then check them out. This is my first serious contender for album of the year. Is it? I loved Sundowners, Matt. Wow. Um, the opening track, as you say, um, you know, Sundowners itself, it had that sort of trippy um, Robert Plant vibe. With the, It was very loops and sh- shamanic mm. in some ways, you know, that drone that you that you can get, you know, kind of a bit doorsy. Um yeah. And then you move into the other tracks on the on the album, as you say, like Blood, uh, like Blood Brothers. My favorite track on it on the album's California Rust. I love it, yeah. and you nailed it. For me, this album is it's kind of a mixture of Jack White with the White Stripes and the Rival Sons being fronted by Robert Plant. Cormac's mm. vocal on this album is is just fantastic it's you know we're not in the miles kennedy um you know vocal range but cormac is nailing it it's fantastic and you go through the album and even the last track on the album uh, always all right which is a nice acoustic tune yeah it just shows you the the, the nice dynamics of the band so, so. It, it really is and i i listened to, i've listened to the album a few times now um and it just uh They've really delivered on this. It's been a, a fair old break since Solace came out. And, and, you know, they've got their headline tour later on in the year and, and a few festivals. I think the answer are back. I love this album, Matt. Fabulous. Good. Mm. Wow. Well, funny you should talk about a contender of album of the year for you. But the Winery Dogs album three is certainly one of mine. 
what an album this is. Um, <laughs> I, I, like you, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It's great. It's it's you could you could go to it. It's got ten tracks in it. Um, you can go to track ten or track eight or track two, and the quality is so consistent throughout. Yeah. Um, and of course, fantastic players in um, Richie Cotson, um, Billy Sheehan, and of course, the great Mike Portnoy. But um, that's it. Good songs, um, relatively short songs, and and each of the each of the players, even though they are virtuosos on their instruments, they're quite understated. Yeah, I felt. Yeah. Um, good variety in terms of different sort of styles. A bit funky in places, rocky in other places. Um, but yeah, I think it's my favourite Winery Dogs album by some distance. And as I say, certainly a, a contender for album of the year, as far as I'm concerned. I thought it was great. Yeah. What do you think, Brian? I completely agree. Um, they sometimes a band can nail their sound um, in the first album or two, and with this album, I think the Winery Dogs—they're now the trio, and and I think lockdowns probably helped them a bit, where they've been able to just spend a lot more time crafting the songs because it's a very song-driven album. Yeah, Richie's vocal. Um, I know he gets a lot of um, comparisons to Chris Cornell and even Prince. Mm. You, you know, mm. it is a very, very funky album. Um, yeah. And it's just fabulous, the songs. And all three of them are virtuosos. Richie's an amazing guitar player. Billy Sheehan goes without saying he's one of the most dexterous bass players out there in Portnoy can play anything. But it's all about the songs. So it's great chorus. <laughs> As Matt plays his drum, imaginary drum kit with fifty-one toms, <laughs> but Thank it's you. it's all about it's all about the songs and it's the groove and it even even on the first track, I love listening to the album uh, on the the first track in the album, which is uh, which is Xanadu, that which was the first mm. single. Even when you you listen to the end of the song, you can hear Mike Portnoy drop the sticks. It's as if yeah. we've just got the end of the song, throw the sticks away. So it's got a real live feel for a recording. So I, I'm with you. It, it's a grower of an album. So it, it, who knows? It could be up there for me as an album yeah. of the year um, for um, for 2023. Some notable releases, not albums as much, mm. that have that have come out, which um, uh, will be interesting to... Um, uh, to our listeners, Joe Bonamassa has just released a, a new single with the band. They're a, like a funk covers band called uh, Scary Pockets, and they've right. they've uh, they've done a reworking of Back in Black, which is fantastic. Go if we if it's on if it's available, um, Matt, for, to stream on our on our uh, playlist. Put it on there. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. It's a great great sort of soul funky version of. Um, uh, of ACDC's Back in Black. The, the singer on it, Joanne Jones, does a great job. And the keyboard player in Scary Pockets is mm. called Jack Conte, and he's actually the CEO of Patreon, where people... Really? Yeah, so uh, it's a great version. Joe, Joe's very understated, and he's and he's brilliant. And the final um, single, which has come out over the last couple of weeks which is from Joel Hoxtra's 13 and a little bit of a connection from last last time's show is Joel's uh, released his uh, single, which is called Far Too Deep. 
And the band on the album, star-studded band on the single, is obviously Joel uh, playing guitars. Jeff Scott Soto is on backing vocals. And the drumming and the rhythm section are Tony Franklin, who's on bass, Mm -hmm. and Vinny Apice from the Dio band are all in Joel's band. And the lead singer is Gurish. From Girish and the Chronicles, as discussed last time. Absolutely. And Girish is sounding absolutely fantastic. And Jeff Scott Soto is doing all the backing vocals. So the album's out later this year. I think it may be coming out in June. But go and check out Far Too Deep, which is Joel Huckstra's um, first single off his up-and-coming album. And that's me for New Rock and the Block. So, Brian, that brings us to the A to Z of rock. Yep. And the letter C. Yes. Yes, indeed. So, um, we, where else can we start apart from the great man, Sir David of Coverdale? Also known as David Covenants, of course. <laughs> for those who have been listening to this podcast for a while, you know why. David Coverdale, I mean, what a guy. Discovered, discovered in a clothes shop in Redka. Was it Red Car? I never remember how to pronounce that place in uh, the northeast of England. Um, he was working there, um, and then ended up being Deep Purple singer, then White Snake singer, Coverdale Page. I mean, it just a, what a what a what a legacy, what a singer, what a, at his peak, one of the greatest singers ever, I think, in the rock genre. I think you'd agree with that, Brian. I would completely agree with that. He owes Ian Pierce. A pint of beer, because it was, it was Pacey that um, dug through the cassettes and liked the tone of David's voice mm. and gave it to Richie and said, I think this is a contender and the rest is history. I know. You could only start with David. That's right. And a very funny guy as well. He's, he's quite active on social media. A bit rude at times, but, you know, funny and as well and as you as you've said several times it does like an unboxing that does it seem does. to be a thing now isn't it <laughs> oh look boys and girls it's the new cd i'm going to unbox yes and uh, off he goes um and i go and yeah. buy it matthew absolutely <laughs> but yeah i was lucky enough to see uh white snake back in uh 81 one of my early gigs when i was, was 15 16 and i mean a, an amazing front man uh-huh. um you know, had, a, had that sort of aura about about him, and uh, as an amazing, amazing singer, and um, of course was on a couple of C C related albums in um, Come Taste the Band and Come and Get It. Yeah, just two good albums. We'll put some songs of both those on. Any excuse, Matthew? <laughs> I know this podcast is the, the playlist is dominated always by White Snake and uh, Deep Purple, and put some Coverdale Page on as well. Another C that is synonymous with David hmm. is Sir Vivian of Campbell. Of course. The guitar How can we forget? Slayer. Indeed, the great man himself. Have we ever mentioned Vivian Campbell? I was just going to say, I think Vivian, Vivian's up there with probably, be, he is probably the most mentioned person on our podcast, apart from Diamond Head and King's X, who are, who are <laughs> entities. But in terms of the person, I would say it's, it's, it's a close run thing between Vivian, Tony Iommi, and Brian Tatler. <laughs> it's true, actually. 
Yeah. If anyone ever listens to every episode and does these stats, they'll probably exactly show that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not to be underrated. Uh, was was I remember him when he was in Sweet Savage, one of those Nwobbin bands that came out of Northern Ireland. He was plucked yeah. from from there by Ronnie Dio to be the guitarist in Dio. I think he was about nineteen at the time. He wasn't was, he? He was in, yeah. He was in Dio, yeah. Um, and then uh, from there, where did he go from there, Brian? You know better. Than yeah, I and and um, Jimmy Bain will come. We'll talk about Jimmy Bain later on the show about another mm. young hotshot guitarist. But yes, uh, Jimmy Bain was the one who put him in the line of sight for Ronnie and he gave him mm. two guitarist names. He gave him John Sykes, who was in right. Tigers of Pantang and he gave him uh, Vivian. And yeah. uh, yes, after the deal band Vivian, he went touring with Whitesnake um, on the massively successful 1987 album and the tour for two years. Mm. He ended up working with the River Dogs, which is a fantastic band that that mm. I love and we've mentioned them as a, a hidden gem. He's done yeah. various solo work. Um, and then he ended up in the home that he, after the sad passing of Steve, Steve Clark, another C. Yeah. Um, and he's been the new guy in Def Leppard for 30 years. That's right. <laughs> and of course, uh, with his own project, Last in Line as well, in yeah, the background. That's so, true. Um, we talked about it last time. So, yeah, amazing. Sir Vivian Campbell. Exactly. Alongside Sir David Coverdale. Um, that's great. That's great. Talking of um, talking of other singers, um, Chris Cornell, of course. The late Chris Cornell. Yes. Um, I think we should give him a mention because, again, one of the most amazing voices and one of the most amazing – he had it all, Chris Cornell – yeah. Uh, very, very you know, gorgeous man. Fantastic singer. Could play guitar. Wrote songs. Um, and uh, as I say, sadly, no longer with us. But uh, I mean, what, what another, what another guy? What a legacy he left with uh, Soundgarden and uh, Audio Slave, and just uh, incredible. There probably was a time, Matt, in the mid nineties, on the release of Super Unknown, mm. and at the time when the single Black Hole Sun was out. I think Soundgarden were probably the biggest band in the world. Yeah, certainly and up there. They were up there in terms of the MTV video. They they were they were probably one of the shining lights of of new rock in the mid mid nineties. Good news for those fans of Soundgarden and Chris Cornell. Uh, hopefully, quite soon we should ha- we should be able to hear some of the material that Chris had been recording with the the guys in Soundgarden. Um, be nice to hear some new material from Chris and see what he was doing with the guys. But you couldn't do the seas without uh, mentioning the fabulous artist that is Chris Cornell. So, the, so Matt, it's it's not all about albums and people in the. This mm. is this is this is this is our A to Z of rock. This is our, yes. you know, this is what we would put in. And I have to put in for all of the drummers that are out there a cowbell. Yes. How many great rock and roll songs have got a cowbell in it? We have to mention Don't Fear the Reaper. Of course. That's probably the number one cowbell song of all time, isn't it? Well, you say that, and I would, I'd probably agree with you. However, one's just come into my mind. And when I tell oh. you which one it is, you're going to go, big contender. Honky Tonk Woman by the Rolling Stones. <laughs> Charlie Watts, actually, yeah. 
Um, also, Mississippi Queen from Mountain was a great cowbell tune. Oh my goodness, Moby Dick. Uh, even the scary Good Times, Bad Times from Led Zeppelin's opening track on the debut album. Oh yeah, what, he plays what, a little kind of parody along yeah, there. What John the Bonham cap- is doing, I've no idea. Rock of Ages by Def Leppard, Cowbell. The Cowbell, a staple accessory in any rock drummer's arsenal of percussive equipment. I couldn't agree more. Fantastic. Coming from a guitarist. Yeah. I think you covered it. I mean, it's just... It's it's, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because... Everyone loves the cowbell in yes. rock songs. And of course, you know, you can buy the T-shirt from the Saturday Night Live sketch uh, with Will Ferrell, which uh, is parodying the recording of Don't Fear the Reaper, which of course is all about more cowbell. Yes, with Christopher Walken. To, exactly. If you go to a festival, I guarantee you'll see several more cowbell T-shirts. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great shout. Yeah. That's a great show. Talking to T-shirts, of course. One of the things that uh, we've often talked about in the context of rock and metal is clothes. Oh, uh, yes. How the uniform. The uniform. Exactly. Now, the uniform, as I think we've we've said many times, is is largely kind of dominated by denim and leather and has been since the late 70s. And, uh, of course, you know, you can point to various bands who sort of developed that uh, – that look, Motorhead, of course. When I was young, I've met so many times, I, you know, I kind of modelled myself on Lemmy, long hair, leather jacket, jeans, bullet belt. Um, didn't have the white cowboy boots, fortunately. <laughs> and then, because... Def- That's um, good. That's good. <laughs> true. Iron Maiden and uh, Judas Priest kind of took the, took the image further and so on. But, you know, the, the importance of clothing on stage, yes. of course. And, and it always struck me as being a bit odd that so you you know you had the 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 fans wearing kind of denim and leather and jeans and t-shirts and all that sort of stuff, but the bands certainly in the in the early eighties were in spandex. What's all that about? Are you are you spandex. picturing Pete Way now? Uh, Pete Way, oh, well, Steve Harris, exactly. Twisted they all sister. Wore, well, you know whoever it was, Biff Byford or um, you know Bruce Dickinson and so on. I mean. Spandex. I think that's one of the, the probably the crimes against fashion in the rock world is <laughs> is why spandex, which essentially is kind of like a workout. It's like wearing yoga pants on stage. Yeah. Um. Sort of workout. I never really understood it, but um. I mean, you know, I don't see. I don't think you see. Fortunately, you don't see so much spandex anymore. No. But um, well, yeah, even now when we go to festivals, I think you know we we all still wear the uniform. We mentioned the battle jacket last time. The black T-shirt with the band name on it, oh, and obviously tour dates on the back. I must have told you the, the story once. My wife and I were at a, a festival, um, and uh, she looked. There was a person in front of us, and uh, they, they were wearing a, a, a T-shirt which had a festival lineup on it because you got the three days and and so on. She said, oh, "She was looking down. She not nudged me and said, that looked like a good festival, didn't it?'" And I said, "Yeah, <laughs> we were there, and it was the previous year's." I don't know, Rambling Man or something like that. Um, she, she'll hate me for saying that, telling that, but um, there you go. <laughs> it's done now. <laughs> but yes, yeah, it's, it's the clothes are very porn, top to toe. You know, yeah. whether it be the baseball boots or the the jeans or the, you know, the, the leather. You used to have a pair of leather trousers, of course, you told us last time. Yeah. Um, you know, all goes into the package, so to speak, of of the rock 
and metal uniform. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. I, I have to say, thank goodness for bands like Metallica um, in, the, er, in the early 80s, Matt, for getting us to wear white baseball boots rather oh, yeah. than the white cowboy, white, white cowboy boots. You know, I, I, that was just not a... That was a look just for Lemmy. Lemmy was the only one that could get away with white cowboy boots. Nobody else. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's but true. but then even the cowboy boots themselves, Matt, it, it seemed to be cowbell boots. <laughs> no, <laughs> cowboy boots. Um, the uh, it seemed to be us. Us in the UK, we wore our cowboy boots inside, inside. our jeans. Inside. Oh yeah. But but then as we moved through the eighties, as we were as we were refining our uniforms, think about those spandex wearing. American glam metal boys, and they were wearing their cowboy boots over their jeans and their spandex. It was, it was, it was shocking. It was, it just, it was. Again, thank really? goodness we didn't live in America at that time, Matt, or we'd have been Absolutely. wearing cowboy boots I can, over. I can just picture you in spandex and cowboy boots outside your <laughs> spandex trousers, bro. With my Who's, meatloaf jacket. Exactly, meatloaf <laughs> denim jacket. Look great. Maybe a cowboy Thanks. hat on top. Thanks. Or even a cowbell hat. Um, yeah. Anyway, other notable mentions in the world of the seas in the ADZ of rock, of course. Uh, Creed. We talked about them a few times. Yep. Fantastic band. Put some Creed on the uh, playlist. Creedence Clearwater Revival. Punted by the great John Fogarty, of course. Touched upon them a few times in the yep. context of, of, of suing themselves for plagiarism. The wonderful Eric Clapton. We, of course. One third, of the, one third of the holy trinity of the Yardbirds. Eric, Jeff Beck, and Jimmy Page. That's right. And of course, one third of Cream. Another C. Um, yeah, we'll put some, just another excuse to put Eric Clapton, Yardbirds, Cream, um, you name it, on the, uh, on the playlist. Of course, Alice Cooper. We can't forget Alice Cooper. Uh, strictly speaking, not his real name. Um, maybe he should be under F oh, or Fernier, of yeah. course. There you go. Well, Vincent Vince. Fernier, draw mm. But we'll put some Alice Cooper on. Yeah, Good old I, Alice. Uncle I, Alice. Bless I, him. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Alice as well, too. Um, uh, disc jockey. Are we like to call them disc jockeys or presenters? I think they're more, I don't know. He's a presenter on, on Planet Rock. Yeah, he's all over the world and he got a syndicated absolutely. radio show. Nights with Alice Cooper, of course. Well worth a listen. And he used to have a, I think, a feature on the Classic Rock magazine as well. Yes, indeed. Classic Rock magazine, which has been going, I think, well, I started buying it in 2001. I think it's been going since 1999. Okay. 20, nearly 25 years. Unbelievable. Yes, so many C's to get through. We haven't mentioned the Cadillac 3, the Cult, um, Cophead Road album by Steve, Wer Steve Earl, and so on. So, Brian, next time it'll be D. Mm -hmm. The letter D. In the A to Z of rock. They were going to have fun with that one. Oh, God. B. <laughs> uh, yes. I wonder, I wonder if a well-known Nwobam band will be, yeah. <laughs> possibly. Possibly. I'll, I'll get you back when we get to K. That's right. Or X, even. <laughs> we, might have to, we might have to use them for X, of course. That's true. <laughs> So, Matt, uh, another new feature that we've added in in our 2023 shows is Unsung Hero. And the Unsung Hero I am putting forward, nominating 
um, for this episode is a phenomenal guitarist called Lawrence Archer. So Lawrence, mm-hmm. um, Lawrence is one of those guitar players who um, is probably well known for uh, working with UFO. Um, yep. He's 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 currently the main songwriter and guitar player in Grand Slam, uh, and obviously Grand Slam. He wrote many of the um, the songs together with Phil Linnett and Mark Stanway. And he started his career working with Stampede. And we mentioned this next, uh, or earlier in the show, we mentioned Jimmy Bain. And he also was a member of Wild Horses for a while. So I just wanted to call out um, uh, Lawrence as as one of those great unsung heroes and somebody who's had to follow in the footsteps of Michael Schenker, Paul Chapman in, in UFO, yeah. Obviously, with the demise of uh, Thin Lizzy, when Phil put his solo band together and then started to put Grand Slam together, it really was a vehicle for for Lawrence as well too, and a lot of the writing. Grand Slam are back on the road. We, I think, we talked about in earlier episodes the the album that they released um, not so long ago, uh, which was Hit the Ground, which was a great album. A lot of mm. the material that was on that was from the Grand Slam era. Um, where he'd written with Phil. But one of the things I just wanted to call out, and I read it on social media as well too, um, is Lawrence is one of those artists who has written lots of material. And and over the years, albeit he's had to register a lot of his catalogue and re-register it and go to court to, um, to, to get money and to actually own the rights to his own material, and uh, he he put a he put an impassioned statement out on Facebook not so long ago, mm-hmm. just talking through probably the the pitfalls of being a young man in the record business, and you know we'll probably talk about it when we talk about hidden gems, where get a lawyer <laughs> and get a second lawyer, and if you're not happy, get a third lawyer. I just thought it, it it just hit a chord with me for somebody as talent as Lawrence has and some of the songs that he's written. And and it typifies um, the song Dedication. I can remember when the Thin Lizzy uh, compilation album that came out in the in the early 90s and it, and it was this forgotten tune, this lost tune with with Phil singing on it. And they they packaged together a video with various members of Thin Lizzy, and I'm not sure who played on. It. I think Brian Downey played drums on it, and and it was credited, I think, as a Phil Linnet song, and it was actually written mm. by Lawrence. Um, so for me, um, I'm a big fan of Lawrence. I'm a big fan of Grand Slam. I think I like the classy way that he does his his business. Um, looking forward to their new album of new material, and I just think. Just want to call out Lawrence, great guitar player, still works well, works hard, and a very good songwriter. So my unsung hero for this episode, Matt, is Lawrence Archer. Anything you want to add on Lawrence? Not really. I think you covered it beautifully. Uh, as you said, great, great guitarist, been with lots of bands over the years. And um, I saw him last year with Grand Slam and, you yeah, great front man, good guitarist. And as you say, great song. So um, we'll wish him well in the future, of course. So, Brian. That brings us to Hidden Gems. Thanks, Lola. As always, sounded good. So, um, 
I've got an excellent one for you, actually. Oh. If you'd like me to go first. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to. So, surprisingly, this is a hidden gem from ACDC. So, I remember when this came out, and um, I, I've, I've, I revisited it this week. And it's, a, it's an album from 2009 called Backtracks. Now, um, it's essentially a kind of a compilation of... Um, of b-sides and 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 um rarities and um and songs that let's say didn't fit on the original albums for example it's got uh, dog eat dog from uh, the uh the live album from 1978 if you want blood you got it it's got um a 12 inch version of who made who it's got early bond scott stuff original australian release of the rocker and and um plenty of live stuff um from the brian johnson era and so on. And um, it's great. It's it's a lot of it you won't have heard before, um, unless you're an absolute ACDC completist. But um, well worth checking out. Um, and uh, runs at nearly four hours. So it'll keep, keep you busy for a while. Sounds like one of our playlists. <laughs> um, so my hidden gem for this show, young Brian, is Backtracks by the mighty ACDC from 2009. Do you remember that? Do you remember it came out? I've got it. I have it. Of course you have. <laughs> of course you have. I treated a kind of an, an amp-shaped box. Yep. That's right. I treated myself to it many, many years ago. Um, my hidden gem for this episode is, it's a documentary, mm-hmm. uh, which is, it's just been released. Um, it's not free on streaming just yet, but it was released over the weekend. Um, and it is a documentary about John Waite, and it's called John Waite the Hard Way. Um, I'm a massive John Waite fan, um, obviously through the, you know, Missing You being his big single and and the work that he did with um, Bad English. But this is a really, I suppose, intimate documentary about John and his life. Um, You know, it's, he started out, you know, he's a, he's a Lancashire boy. Uh, and and he started out with with the band called the Babies, and if I could just summarize the Babies' career for John Waite, six albums, five tours, and he had six grand in the bank. <laughs> that's wow. that's 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 the amount of, and it's the documentary itself. It's just how John he just reflects on his whole career. He actually um, comes across as a very very. Um, sincere um writer quite a personal interviews and and it was all done during covid matt where john's desperate to get out to play you know with his band and he was really just at home and probably quite a reflective mood whilst he was just talking about his career um and it's again a little bit in in line with what we were discussing around lawrence archer you know there there's john's had to work really really hard and fight really hard to get back the rights um, for a lot of his own material because he wasn't making any money out of it. But he's a content man now. He plays when he wants. He writes new material. Um, and I, I just, it's a, it's 90 minutes, so it's quite a short uh, documentary. If you don't know anything about John, watch it. He is his own man. <laughs> a lot of people uh, found him hard to work with and said he, he wasn't somebody who, who could really play in bands. But 
I warmed to him. Um, uh, one slight, if I was to pick out one slight omission in the in the documentary, they they really skirted over the bad English period, so we didn't really we didn't really get to to discuss how they got together. Um, you know, because Ricky Phillips um, and John Cain had both both of them had been in the babies with John. So we skirted completely over that. And I was kind of interested to see how him and Neil Sean had worked. Um, you know, that was where they, you know, they had a billboard number one single with When I See You Smile. But overall, apart from that omission um, in in his career, it was a really interesting um, documentary on John Waite. So my hidden gem for this episode is just released on Amazon Prime. It's John Waite, The Hard Way. Very good. Yeah, check it out. Sounds good. Good. Amazing seeing a great voice. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to that. So that's it, Briar. Another episode done, dusted, signed, sealed, in the bag. Complete. Enjoy that? I did indeed. It was great. Looking forward to the next episode. We'll talk about the letter D, which will be fantastic. Yes, absolutely. But for now, thanks for listening, everyone. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Email, send us a letter. Or if you see us in the street, come and say hello. We've got many friends, so, you know, the more the merrier. Uh, <laughs> take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Bye for now. Bye for now, everyone. See ya. Those about the pub, we salute you. Is a Mealy Rogers production.